much. As we come to our text here in Acts chapter 26, obviously we're, we're continuing our study of the book of Acts. We're almost done, just a, a very few chapters left. But by the time we come to chapter 26, Paul has been, he has stood before Felix, who then took him to a man named Festus, a government uh, uh, authority by the name of Festus, and he stood before Festus, and now he is going from Festus to King Agrippa. And we come to this in verse 1, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem. Paul's talking now about his life before Christ. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, 
to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth. And soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost. Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor and Bernice, and they that sat with them, and when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. I'm curious tonight, how many of you have ever uh, bought something based on the, the word or the testimony of someone else because they talked about how good it was and how well it worked. Maybe it was a tool or maybe it was a brand of automobile or maybe some kind of makeup or, or some brand of clothing or some child's safety seat or swing or whatever. I mean, raise your hand and say, I've done that. I bought something based upon what somebody else told me. Recently, I bought my first custom-made suit. Now, it wasn't made in Italy, so it's not one of those $15,000 suits. It was made in a China. <laughs> Brother Tyler had recently preached for a pastor who took him to Joseph A. Bank and bought him a custom-made suit. And he was pumped. 
And he came home and he said, Dad, I'm telling you, it's the only way to go. If you want a suit that looks good and a suit that fits right, he said, you got to go and you've got to have them measure you and they'll make it to, to your exact specifications. And so I did. We'll see how it turns out. But I did that based upon his testimony. So if it goes south, it'll be his fault. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you here were influenced in your decision to accept Christ as your Savior based upon the testimony or the story of someone else? You, they told you their story, you watched their life, and you said, I want that. That's what I want for my life. What we have recorded here in Acts chapter 26 is actually the sixth time between chapter 22 and chapter 26 that Paul has stood before a group of lost people and shared his personal testimony with them of how he came to know Christ as his Savior. Church, I don't know if you realize this tonight or not, how powerful your testimony can be in reaching others for Christ. I would submit to you tonight that the story of your conversion and the difference that it's made in your life is far more appealing to a non-Christian than any Bible sermon that any preacher could stand and preach. If you were to go back and read Acts chapters 22 through 26, you would find that every time Paul spoke, he simply shared how his own life had been changed by his acceptance of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, Paul shows us that one of the most convincing, unanswerable arguments on earth regarding Christianity is one's personal experience. I'm telling you tonight, no persuasive, soul-winning technique will ever, ever take the place of you just sitting down with someone and sharing your story. With that being said, I want to preach to you tonight on the power of your personal testimony. With the Lord's help, I'm going to share four reasons why a personal testimony is so incredibly powerful. And here's the first one. A personal testimony is powerful because it enables you to identify with people. Go back to verse 4, uh, if you would. Paul said, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify 
that after the most strictest sect, sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Look at verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary or against the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. And then he said this in verse 26, For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. What is Paul doing here? He's identifying himself with those to whom he was testifying. He's saying this, listen, I know where you are. I know how you feel. I know what you're thinking. And I know that because I was the very same way for a long time. A couple of Sunday mornings ago, one of our members introduced me to a man that he brought to church with him that day. And so we were just standing there small talk. And I, and I said, so where are you from? And he said, well, really, I'm from a lot of places. But he said, most recently, I've lived for a long time in, in, in Tyrone. And then he looked at me and he said, and I'm a heathen. And I just looked at him and I said, so was I. I said, I grew up in Tyrone. And I said, you can go to any old person over there and mention the name Billy Prater, and they probably got a story to tell, especially if they're associated with the school in any way. And most of them are not going to be good stories. But then I looked at him and I said, but I'm telling you, Jesus can change your life. What was I doing? I, I wasn't put off that he was a heathen. For crying out loud, so was I. I was a little hellion. I mean, I was like the devil's kid. I wasn't put off by that. I just told him, I, I, hey, I know where you are. I, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, these people won't accept me. They don't want me in here. And, and I'm glad that he was pleasantly surprised. But I was just, I was just trying to identify with him. Testimonies offered by real people are easier to identify with and are proven to be more effective. Take, for example, a TV commercial. This guy holds up this, this bottle of miracle Grow for hair and begins telling you how that I used to be bald, but now I have hair. Why anybody would want to do that, I have no idea. And so they show the before picture, and they show the after picture. And, and before you know it, this company has sold thousands of bottles of this miracle Grow, whatever you call it, because this guy was bald, and now he has a full head of hair, and I can relate to that, and that's his story, so I'm getting me some of that. Or you've got this 
this, this woman, this mom, and she's standing at the washing machine holding a pair of pants that have these atrocious grass stains in them. Or she's holding up this pretty little dress and it's got this big blob of whatever on it. And she says something like this, I'm a mom just like you. And I use such and such detergent to get these kinds of stains out. And so moms all over the country standing in a laundry room with baskets full of stained clothes, run to the store, and they buy such and such a detergent because a real mom, just like them, said it worked. Yes or no? Absolutely. TV advertisers understand the power of personally identifying with others. This same principle is why most people prefer to read biographies rather than essays. This principle is why most people will remember the real-life stories in sermons longer than they will remember the sermon itself. Brother Tyler is a master at throwing me under the bus when he preaches. He has told some horrendous stories how he was abused when he grew up and he was deprived when he grew up. And I'm telling you, most of you could tell one or two of those stories almost verbatim, but you don't have a clue what he was preaching on. Why? Because we identify with personal stories. Chuck Swindoll put it like this. The skeptic may stop his ears to the presentations of a preacher, and the pleadings of an evangelist, but he is somehow attracted to the human interest story of how you, John Q. Public, found peace within. Church, listen to me tonight. Don't sell yourself short. People will listen to you as a church member, tell them how Jesus changed your life more than they will listen to me or Pastor Tyler or Brother Mike or Brother Sid or Brother Jones or Brother Thompson or whoever else we bring into this church. They will listen to you and your story more fervently and more earnestly than they will listen to any sermon because they can relate to you. Well, he's the preacher. Well, he's the co-pastor well he's a pastor in california i'm just a church member no listen you're not just a church member if you're saved tonight you're a saved person with a story and it's powerful when you're able to identify with people number two a personal testimony that's going to be real profound a personal testimony is powerful when it's personal. The most convicting, unanswerable arguments on earth regarding Christianity, again, is one's personal experience with Christ. Look at verse 13 again. Paul's talking now about his trip. On the, he's going to Damascus to persecute and kill more Christians. 
And verse 13, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen down to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 15, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Now let me make something very clear here tonight. Your testimony, listen, are you listening? Listen, your testimony does not have to be dramatic for it to be worth telling did you get that your story does not have to be dramatic to make it worth sharing i read about a man who went to hear an evangelist who had been converted from a life of crime and drug abuse After hearing the evangelist tell of all the bad things that he had done, the the man went home, and that night in his prayers, he said to God, Oh, Lord, I've never smoked pot, never been drunk, never committed adultery, never robbed a bank, and never lied to a grand jury. But if you can use me in spite of these shortcomings, please do. Greater Vision, a Southern Gospel Quartet, recorded a song a number of years ago titled, Your Story. And I think it really speaks to this point very, very well. Here, Here are the lyrics. You wish your story had more meaning so you could tell how you conquered all the pain. But life's been gentle, even easy. You've convinced yourself you don't have much to say. So your story goes unspoken, a testimony that's been silenced by your fears. But let me tell you, the day God saved you, he penned a wondrous story someone needs to hear. Your story holds the power, giving hope to the weary on their way. Your story tells them how this God of love still reaches out with arms of grace. You've seen what God can do. Now it's up to you to share his glory. They're waiting to be free, wanting to believe. You have what they need, your story. Now listen, I enjoy hearing stories of how Jesus has saved people from a life of sin. I, I love listening to, to Brother Victor Garcia's uh, story of, of how he was addicted to crystal meth when he was 11 years old and, and, and how uh, the Lord came into his life and how he, his wife was invited to Fellowship Baptist Church by one of our ladies and she came and he came with her and they kept coming and one Sunday morning they just came down the aisle and they received Christ as, as their Savior. Listen, I love those stories. 
It it exalts God, and it exalts His grace, and it exalts His mercy. But listen to me tonight. I think it was pointed out during the revival that it took just as much mercy and just as much grace to save someone who was raised in church as it does to save someone who's addicted to meth. It's the same grace. It's the same mercy. It's the same death on the cross that saves all of us. I want you to listen to this very closely. For every Paul with a dramatic story of conversion, there are thousands of Timothys who came to know Christ in a far less dramatic way. You know what it says over there in, in, in what Paul says about Timothy, how that he had learned the scriptures from the time he was a child? How that his mother and his grandmother taught him the scriptures and taught him the truth. Listen, from, all, from, from what we can understand, Timothy didn't go out and persecute Christians and kill Christians and do evil, wicked, mean, bad, and nasty things. From what we know, he was raised up in a, in a home with a godly mom and a godly grandmother, and they put the Bible before him all the time. But for every Paul on the road to Damascus, who saw a bright light and was blinded and fell to his knees and heard an audible voice of God. For every one of those testimonies, there are thousands of testimonies like Timothy's. So don't ever think your story doesn't matter. Because it does. Absolutely it does. Are you tracking with me tonight? A personal testimony is powerful because it enables you to identify with people. A personal testimony is powerful when it's personal. Then here's the third thought tonight. A personal testimony is powerful when it's prepared. This is is the part about their personal testimony that most people don't ever think about. And because they don't think about it, they don't prepare it. And because they don't prepare it, they don't practice it. And because they don't practice it, they aren't effective when they share it. It's like, in his book, Come Before Winter, Chuck Swindoll suggests five things. I want you to write these down tonight, please. Five things to remember when you are preparing your testimony. You ready? Here they are. Number one, you want to be listened to. So be interesting. Now, he's not suggesting that you fabricate your story as to make it something that it's not. That's not what he's talking about. Don't, don't throw stuff in there that wasn't in, that's not in your story. Are you with me? Hello, are you with me? Don't just make stuff up to make it more flamboyant and and more uh, dramatic. Don't do that. Here's what he means. Don't talk about how exciting Christ is in an unexciting way. Don't bore people with a bunch of religious cliches and hard-to-understand terminology. You ever notice how 
easy it is for us to speak Christianese. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like somebody coming up to me and speaking Vietnamese. I'm going, oh. I mean, we get all, we, especially if we've been in church for a while, we start throwing out all of these Bible phrases and all of these, these terms and all of these weird phrases that they're going, eh? Eh? You know, they're looking, they're looking interested, but they're really not because we lost them. They're not tracking with us. Work on your wording. Arrange your thoughts so that they flow just right. Say, really, preacher? You want me to practice? Yeah, absolutely. I remember a few years ago when I uh, went to Rose Hill, um, I went there to, to be certified to be able to, to do uh, DUI uh, testing when, when you stop somebody that's been, been drinking. And I, I remember going back to my, mo- my hotel every night. I was there for five days. And I remember going back to my hotel every night talking out loud in my hotel room, going over this spiel over and over and over and over. Again, put your left foot on the line. Put your right foot in front of your left foot with the heel touching the toe. Put your hands down to your side. Don't move until I tell you to. Do you understand? Yes. When I tell you to go, I want you to take nine heel-to-toe steps down this line. When you get to the ninth step, I want you to turn around, use a series of small steps, take nine heel-to-toe steps back. It looks something like this. One, two, three, so on and so forth till you get to nine. When you get to nine, I want you to turn around using a series of small steps. I want you to take nine heel-to-toe steps back. I want you to keep your eyes on your feet. I want you to count your steps out loud. I want you to keep your hands to your side. And once you start the test, do not stop until you finish it. Do you understand? I went over that and over that and over that and over. I I swear, I bet it was a hundred times to the point that it just, it just flowed out naturally. And that's, that's what we ought to do with the story of our testimony, the story of how we came to know Christ as our personal Savior. And I would say this, it's not in my notes, but I would say this, listen, it shouldn't be any more than three minutes. You don't have to go into this long dissertation of the time you came out of your mother's womb. And No, just, just keep it short, keep it simple, keep it precise, and go over it and over it and over it until it just comes natural to you to be able to tell somebody your story of how you came to Christ. You want to be listened to, so be interesting. Number two, you want to be understood, so be logical. By logical, I mean orderly. Don't be all over the place and make it difficult for a person that you're talking to to follow you. I think Paul gives us a great order of how we ought to share our personal testimony, and he does it in three logical phases. First of all, tell what your life was like before you came to Christ. Paul says, I was was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was serious about this, so serious that I hated Christians. And as a matter of fact, I persecuted Christians. And I did everything I could to to make their life miserable. I took them to prison. He talks about his life before Christ. 
When you're telling somebody about your life before Christ, talk about the, the loneliness and the lack of peace and the absence of love and the unrest and the fears and the dissatisfaction and the struggles and all. Just, just be honest with them. Tell them about your life before Christ. And then tell them of the event or the events that led you to become a Christian. Paul said, I was on the road to Damascus to do the very same thing over again. And then he tells the story of how he met Christ on the road to Damascus. Now, your story's not going to be that dramatic. Well, I tell you, I was driving down the road one day, and this bright light started to shine. I drove over in the ditch, hit my head on the steering wheel, and God said, dude, you need to wake up. And there's this bright light, and... And I heard God talking. That's not going to be your story. If it is, sober up and then start over again. That's not going to be your story. It's not going to be all, all dramatic. It may have to do with the difference you saw in someone else's life. Or the difference that Christ made in someone else's marriage and your marriage was in trouble and, and, and you saw that and you thought to yourself, listen, if, if God can do that for them, then maybe God can do that for us. We're talking about the event or the events that led you to Christ. It may have been the death of a friend. Or some tragic event that took place in your life or the life of someone you love. And it really made you just start thinking. My nephew, Ryan, got saved last year. And here's his story. He said, Uncle Bill, when I heard you and Tyler talk about the difference that, that God had made in TJ's life, he said, I knew that that's what I needed. And so one day... He, God had just been working on him, and one day he called his, his dad, who lives in Fort Worth. His dad goes to a good Bible-preaching church there, and he said, Dad, I, I've got to go to Uncle Bill's church. And so my brother, ex-brother-in-law drove all the way to Wichita and picked Ryan up, and they came, and that Sunday morning, I mean, the song service had barely gotten started, and Ryan was in tears. I'm telling you, God was working on his heart. And that Sunday morning, come invitation time, he stepped out and he came forward. Listen, it was all because of a tragedy that struck our lives that made him stop and think about his own life. And if that's your story, tell it. Maybe you just came to the end of yourself. And you were so far down, you didn't have anywhere else to look but up. You with me? We're talking about the logical progression of your story. So you start with your life before you came to Christ. And then you talk about the event or the events that, that drew you, that took you to church for the first time or, or, or made you stop and ask somebody about the Bible. And then finally, you're going to close by telling about the difference that Christ has made and is making in your life. That's what Paul did. He said, now I'm a preacher. Now I'm a man of God. Paul, had a, he saw a new light. He had a new Lord. Now he's living a new life. 
People want to know how your conversion to Christ has changed you. What difference has this made in your life? You want to be listened to, so be interesting. You want to be understood, so be logical. You want the moment of your new birth to be clear, so be specific. Don't hem-haw around. Don't be vague at this point. Talk about the, the fact that you learned that you were a sinner and that you couldn't save yourself and that you knew that if you died like that, you were going to go to hell, but you understood that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins and that he loved you and didn't want you to go to hell. And there came a time in your life when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior by faith. Be specific. Tell them. Men, you want your testimony to be used. So be practical. Being practical means being honest. Don't, don't lead someone to believe that all their problems are going to be solved, that, that all of their burdens are going to be lifted when they come to know the Lord as their Savior. Because church, that's not true. Christians still lose children to death. And Christians still get cancer. And Christians still struggle in their marriage. And Christians still struggle with, with vices and addictions and things of that nature. Don't, don't make them to believe that, that, that poof, this is just something magic that's going to change them overnight. We all still struggle. Can I get a witness right there? Tell people how Jesus helps you live your life from day to day. Tell them how he helped you be a, a better person, how he's helped you to be at peace, how he's helped you kick some habit, of how he's helping you be less angry or less anxious or, or less selfish or whatever. But convey that to them and be honest. And tell them, now listen, I'm not perfect. And I still struggle. And I still fall. And I still mess up. But I'm telling you, I don't do it near as much as I used to, and I'm getting better every day. Thank the Lord. You with me? And then you want your testimony to produce results. So be warm and genuine. Remember, it's, it's going to be next to impossible to convince someone of the overwhelming joy of being a Christian if you're wearing the face of a prison guard. Yeah, that's convincing. Yeah, I want some of that. Smile. Be sincere. Make sure those that you're talking to can sense your love and your concern for them. That's exactly what Paul did. He got down to verse 29 and he said this, I just wish all of you could be like me. Except these chains. That's what he said. He was sincere about that. And I wish all of you could be saved. I wish all of you could come to know the, the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about. Then finally, let's consider this. A personal testimony is powerful when it can be seen. Go back to chapter 24. Just a minute, I want to read a couple of verses. Chapter 24, verse 25. 
And as he reasoned of, of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled, answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He, Felix, he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might loose him. In other words, what Felix was doing was this. Well, I'm going to send him back to his cell, and I hope that maybe he'll want to slip me some money on the side so he can get out. You know what Paul did? Paul stayed there for two years because he was not going to live different than what he said he believed. Church, listen to me. And I'm just going to be straight up with you tonight. You can't convince somebody how Jesus has changed your life and you're dropping the F-bomb all the time. And when you're gossiping all the time at the office. And when you're sleeping around. And when you're cheating and when you're not being honest. And when you're taking things from work. Come on. A personal testimony is powerful only when it can be seen. Your walk talks and your talk walks. Talk talks. But your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. And then 30 seconds later, you're acting a way totally different. And here's what I really believe. And I've said this for years. I'm convinced that the reason a lot of people don't... Listen, I would, I, would, I would venture to guess... Let me come down here and meddle just a little bit. I would venture to guess that there are people here tonight who work with people that don't even know you're a Christian. They don't have a clue. Because you never talk about it. And the reason you don't talk about it because you don't live like it. <laughs> you're a what? Dude, serious? Man, if you're a Christian, I must be a Christian because my life, dude, my life, my language better than your language. My life's better than your life. I don't know what kind of church you go to, but I like that church. Ooh, silent. Am I kind of right? Kind of close, maybe? Reason some young people never, never tell other young people about the Lord is because you're too busy talking about the, the porn that you've been watching or the beer you've been drinking or the pot you've been smoking. Amen. Your testimony is only powerful when it can be seen. Listen, none of that other stuff matters tonight if this is not true. People need to see that you're living it. That you're not just talking the talk. That you're walking the walk. Now, how does this story end? Look at it toward the end of the chapter. 
It ends with Agrippa looking at Paul, saying, Paul, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So Paul failed. Or did he? What was Paul's responsibility? Was his responsibility to save Agrippa? No. His responsibility was to share his story. And that's what he did. Folks, listen. Not everybody you talk to about Jesus is going to respond in a favorable way. Not everybody that you talk to about Jesus is going to get saved. But them getting saved is not your responsibility. You can't save them anyway. Your responsibility is to tell your story. Your responsibility is to talk about Jesus. You only fail when you don't talk about Jesus. And I just throw this in. You fail when you don't when you don't prepare your story. So where are we at tonight? There may be some here tonight and say, Pastor, I really don't even have a story. And I'm sitting there and listening to you preach, and I'm supposed to be able to tell this story how I came to know the Lord. <laughs> I don't even have a story. Well, you can't have. It can start tonight. And your story can be this. I went to church on a Wednesday night. Preacher's up there talking about some dude named Gorilla or... I don't know what his name was. It's some weird name. But he was talking about how we ought to tell our story, how we got saved. And, and it just dawned on me. I don't have a story. Or I didn't have a story, but I got one now. Maybe it's been a while since you've shared your story. Maybe the reason you haven't shared your story is because you're not living your story. Now listen, we all drop the ball. Would you help me there? We all drop the ball. We all mess up. God knows that. God help us with that. But I mean, I'm talking about, I'm, I'm talking about when people don't even make an effort to live for the Lord. And that's a whole other message for another time. But I don't know where you're at tonight. If you need to, if you need to start your story, let's get it started tonight. If you just need more boldness or more opportunities to tell your story, then come and ask the Lord to open that door to give you that opportunity. Lord, give me a chance to talk to somebody about what you've done in my life. And then if you're not living it, you know what you need to do. Lord, help me. I need to be more consistent. I need to be more real. Let's pray.